Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Those of you online, thank you so much again for joining us uh, tonight. It's a Wednesday night, you know, and uh, I know all over uh, the United States of America and indeed even around the world, a lot of churches, a lot of denominations, a lot of uh, congregations have um, found ways that they can meet less instead of more. Many people don't even have Wednesday evening service. You know, I was, I was raised to where it was almost a sin if you didn't go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And then uh, I, I, I went to my uncle's church. They had church also on Thursday nights and Saturday nights. And so uh, as a young 14-year-old, I was in church all of the time. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I just thought that that's what you were supposed to do. And, uh, <laughs> oh, come on, you, you remember that, right? At every, every, oh, man, if the church doors were open, you were there. You know, uh, my uncle was, a, was a, a, a Church of God preacher. That's where I learned to play the guitar. Uh, in fact, that's the reason I went to church. I can remember the first time I took Brenda to, uh, to church. Uh, we were dating, and I asked her if she wanted to go to church with me, and I took her to my uncle's church. There wasn't but about, oh, probably 17 people there. And uh, Brenda was the only one with makeup on, by the way, and, uh, and, uh, and I think she might have had a, a dress that come up above her knee. I'm not sure, but before it was over, um, some of those ladies had already pulled her down to the altar, and uh, they had her down there uh, uh, praying over her in tongues and and, uh, you know, uh, uh, really just literally uh, scared the living daylights out of her. And she wasn't saved. And so uh, uh, we, uh, we, <laughs> we got out of the church. And before we got to the car, she told me, don't you ever ask me ever to go back to church with you. And I was just having fun. I was up there playing the guitar, you know, having a, having a good time. Uh, the Lord is good. And uh, any of you have any wonderful experiences like that? <laughs> Church was what we did. Church was, uh, was something. And, and now it seems as though that many times churches are, are, are finding a way to only have, you know, a, a, you know, a 30-minute service or, you know, uh, because time seems to be moving and so much more important than, than, uh, than it did seem when I was a young boy. I don't know how that works. But I believe the Word of God says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, even so much more as we see the day approaching. And I think I see the day approaching. So uh, let me encourage you, every chance you get, find yourself in the house of God. Whether it's in the house of God, you know, online, as many of you all over the world, you're just not able to be in church tonight. Or some of you, uh, maybe your church does not have a midweek service. We just want to thank you so much for joining with us. I believe midweek services, I know I'm preaching to the choir, I've said this before, but I do believe in a midweek service. I believe something special about three and a half. I don't know what it is. You know, uh, I know that seven is a special number with God, but three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation, something special happens. And also, Jesus, the last week that he was in Jerusalem, uh, the Bible says in the middle of the week, it specifically says he went up to the temple in the middle of the week. 
I, I mean, I don't know how else to take these things. Maybe they're just coincidences. But like one man texted me this week and said, do you believe this is a coincidence? And he sent me a little video, and I said, I don't believe there are any coincidences. You know, I believe that God has a purpose and a plan, and I know a lot of folks, I'm not... Uh, uh, saying these things to condemn anybody i'm saying it to encourage you you can take it one or two ways you know you can whenever, whenever somebody encourages you or condemns you that's pretty much probably up to you whether you get encouraged or condemned in fact if somebody says something and you feel as though that they're kind of getting on to you won't you step back and say well uh you know is it right or is it wrong you know if it's right won't you won't you just change or just decide that you know i'm going to be wrong and if you're wrong and you like it, why not just go ahead and embrace it and say, nope, this is me and I like it. You know, if somebody says, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that's non-offensive now in the Word of God, but almost everything is offensive in the Word of God. You know, uh, Jesus said, blessed is the man that's not offended in me. But almost everything, I mean, my goodness, you can't even hardly say today, uh, wives submit to your, to, to your husbands. You can't even hardly say that today. Because if you say it, somebody's going to get offended and you're not watchful. They'll, they'll you know, uh, they'll think that you're somehow male chauvinist or something on that line you know uh, uh, uh fathers don't provoke your children you know uh, don't 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 be such uh, uh, um, uh you know don't, don't be so harsh on them that it provokes them the bible says you know i mean that's uh you know it it's good information uh, going to church is good information you know go to church get involved in church you know a witness you know uh the, the great commission is still real witnessing sharing preaching teaching you know between now and 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 sunday at noon i will preach uh, you know uh, either six or seven more times you know uh, uh, uh you know uh, there, there's so much to do there you know people are lost and dying and going to hell all around us let me encourage you to be a witness well i just don't feel like being a witness well you know uh, please please shake that off you know, let your light shine. Be an encouragement. Find an opportunity. Read your Bibles. You know, worship the Lord. Uh, I'm, 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 feeling, uh, I'm feeling very pastoral and very fatherly uh, tonight. I want you to know that up front. I've identified that. I've already said that out loud, uh, uh, you know, tonight. I'm feeling as though that, 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 uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, a father, trying my best to encourage uh, uh, people. And, 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 and I know those of you that are on campus looking at me, you think I'm talking directly to you or about you. Well, you're right. Uh, and, 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 and also those of you online, same thing. But also it's to a world. Uh, don't think for one moment that I'm the only voice saying this tonight. Okay, I know, I, I know, I know when, when prophecy comes to me, when something comes to me that, that God is saying. God is saying to a whole world right now, you know, that he's got this. You need him. And what he needs from us is for us to do the basics. He needs for us to just do the simple basics, to trust him. He needs for us to, you know, read our word, to be a witness, to worship him. Uh, you know, he, he needs us to do the simple things, the just 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 the basics you know uh return to our first love that's what he's needing from us he's needing that because the world is in such great need never before has the world never before has our families never before have our children never before has has, has our neighbors never before uh, uh, you know our acquaintances never before have they needed jesus so much as they need him today Never before have our grandchildren needed Jesus so much as they need him right now. And 
you may not know let me let me just go ahead and prophesy uh, to, 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 to some of you you may not know the door that God right now is opening for you to speak into the life of someone that's been watching you, someone that trusts you, someone that's been trusting you from a distance, someone that has been seeing you and watching you, and, and, and they don't have anywhere else to turn. They don't know anybody else to trust, but they've seen your light. They've seen your integrity. They've seen your heart. They've seen your witness. They've seen you walk away, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, 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 instead of participate in something. And now they're at a place where they know need Jesus they need answers they need encouragement you may not know how much your family's been watching you you may feel as though that they're estranged you may feel though that they're they're, they're, they're separated you may feel as though that, that that you're the last person in the world that they would listen to call talk to want to talk to you you may believe that but let me tell you you may be absolutely wrong because God you you can't take the God factor out of what God is doing by Behind the scenes and the hearts and the minds and the lives of sons and daughters of moms and dads of brothers and sisters of, of uh, you, you 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 don't know how God is dealing with people and how much they trust you how much they know that you'll be honest with them you'll be straight with them they've asked you something straight you'll be straight they've seen you they've watched you you may not realize it. You may even feel like a failure in front of them. Let me tell you, it was, it was, it was in 1980. I'd, I'd gotten out. I'd spent six years in the military, got out of the military, been out of the military for a good while. And I had come back home a Christian. I had come back home a changed man. I left a, 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 a dedicated sinner. I was gone to the military for six years. I came home a born-again Christian. I came home in love with Jesus. I came home as a witness. And, and, and it was 1980, and in, in October the 1st of 1980, it was actually the last day of September in the nighttime at about 10.30 at night. I was on, 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 on Sulphur River in, up in northeast Texas, you had to take a, a, a boat down to where, where I was, and I was, I was at, a, at a squirrel camp, okay? And I had been living my witness for, you know, for a while, and I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd just been, you know, at home living my witness, and people saw I was different, and, uh, you know, and, they, they, and I didn't know they were watching me. And I, I, went, um, I went to squirrel camp. What squirrel camp? Well, squirrel season opened up October the 1st, and we killed squirrels, and, and I made the stew, and, we, you know, we, we had this camp that we had had for years and years, and I was back from military now, and I could go. And I happen to have had a lot of heathen friends back before. And so here we are with people that are literally, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. They were, they were uh, you know, I think that night one, one guy, uh, you know, threw a knife and stuck in a tree right beside me. And we ended up, you know, uh, um, you know, getting to shoot toward one another and, and things on this line, you know, across the river, just playing, having some fun. But... Um, but, you know, it was kind of interesting because most of the people were, were uh, so inebriated that they didn't even know which side, you know, of the river they were on. And, you know, uh, I, I, that, that may have been the year that we had that little bitty boat there, a small, really short little boat somebody brought. And uh, some of my family members, a cousin and a, and a brother-in-law, 
put a big old motor on the back of it. It was big for that little boat. It wasn't a big motor. And I think turned it over. I don't know how many times we fished that motor out of the, out of the, out of the river and, you know, had to take it apart and dry it out and try it again so that we could see we'd get that thing going. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, it was just always bedlam. It was always just mass confusion in that arena. And so we're sitting there at nighttime, and I had been a good witness. You know, I had, I had stopped my cussing. I'd stopped my drinking. I'd stopped my, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the only person there not, not you know, drinking beer and, you know, doing, and, 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 I'm, and I'm still enjoying it because I like these folks. They're all, you know, friends and, you know, and, 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 and I love squirrel camp. And so I'm just sitting there, and, and uh, you know, uh, 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 people started passing a, a, a joint, a marijuana around. You know, is this too much for y'all? <laughs> Some of these people are watching. And, you know, I, I'd take it, and I'd pass it on to the next person, you know. And, we were, you know, and, and you know, this, you know, uh, I don't know where y'all were raised, but it was just that, just, and I did that about, I don't know, probably six times. And the seventh time it came around, it stopped right here. And as I was going, I looked, and there was a man I'd been witnessing to. I just got him start coming to Sunday school, and he was looking at me. And he looked at me with such disappointment. I passed it along, and I made the rest of squirrel camp the last time I ever went. I couldn't bring myself to witness to that man again. Every time I'd see him, he, he stopped coming to Sunday school. Every time I would see him, I would feel ashamed, and I'd feel guilty. I'd just, you know, and I was around him a lot. I just kind of ducked my head and... I wouldn't talk about Jesus around him. You know, I just felt so guilty, and I and I and 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 I haven't I haven't uh, smoked any weed since then. I would like to have a few times. <laughs> Full disclosure here, but I just hadn't. It was seven years. For seven years, I could not witness to that man. I felt so guilty. One night, about midnight, that man came knocking on my door. You remember that night, Brenda? He came knocking on my door. And I opened up the door about midnight 30. And he said, I've got to have whatever it is that you have. I thought he meant weed. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I've got to have whatever it is you have. He said, I've been watching you. And I just, I, I had felt so guilty for seven years. I had felt like I was in a hole. And there that man was standing at my door. And he said, I've got to have whatever. I've been watching you. I've been watching you close, and you have what I want. I need Jesus. Right there, I led him to the Lord, and through my, through my uh, guilt, 
through my shame, through my almost, almost my inability, almost even no desire to even tell him because I felt so guilty and so ashamed. And I told him the plan of salvation and I prayed and he prayed and received Christ and I took him straight out to a swimming pool and, 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 and baptized him immediately uh, right there. And, and uh, he started living for the Lord and, do, and doing, do, you know, doing the Lord's work. And, 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 you know, uh, and, uh, you know I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you uh, outside of the fact that people are watching you, even people you have messed up in front of. Even people you think have a reason not to like you, not to trust you. People that you think, I, I, I don't know that I've ever told that story or not. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have, but I did inhale, if you want to know. <laughs> For those of you who are from the uh, Clinton era. Uh, but let me just be so transparent and let me just be so honest as to tell you that even the people that have a reason not to like you. Even the people that, that you have messed up in front of, even the people that, that know you, yet God, Almighty God, may be dealing with them in such a way that you don't know. You don't know what He's doing in their life, and you might be the closest thing to Jesus that they can touch. Be ready. Be ready and be willing. God has people in need all around you. The Bible says always be ready to give an account of the good work that is in you in Christ Jesus. Be ready. Be ready. I'll just prophesy to you. Sons and daughters, you know, parents, you know, friends, Perhaps enemies are watching you. And you may be the closest thing to Jesus they know. Be ready. Be ready. Be a witness. You know? What if you just messed up in front of somebody? And what if it takes another seven years? We'll start living that witness today because that's what I did. I had to live. I had to outlive, outlast, and outdistance my last worst mistake. I wept over it. I, 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 I was broken hearted over it because I felt like that I had closed the door on someone that was just about to receive Christ. Thank God that He gave me another chance. Amen. Some of you, He's going to give another chance. Be ready. Be ready. Amen. Isn't that a good word? Yeah, that's a good word, and, all, and uh, all, all it costs me is a little humility, you know. Uh, by the way, don't give your testimony too soon, okay? You need to make sure that, I mean, that's, that's all the way back, what's that, 42 years ago? Okay, yeah, let, let your testimony season a little bit, all right? It tells better after it's seasoned, okay? Amen. Amen. We're going to be going tonight to 2 Samuel 12. We're going to read just a little bit in a moment out of 2 Samuel chapter 12. And uh, uh, we're going to be talking about dealing with disappointments. Uh, the Lord uh, gave me this word uh, today, and I believe that that is uh, a part and parcel of what the word of the Lord that just came through me. Uh, that, that, uh, and a, a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, what God is going to do. 
because a lot of people are dealing with disappointments in life. And, and uh, one of the disappointments, and you know, I, I, I didn't plan on saying any of that. And after hours and hours and hours of study today and, 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 and another topic, uh, the Lord gave me this, uh, and so this is what we're doing tonight. And it's, uh, it, it, it's following up on the story of King David in Bathsheba. King David, as you know, uh, got to be a pretty secure king. And then when he got secure in chapter 11 of Second Samuel, King David, instead of going out to war that year, he stayed at home. And, and uh, when, the, when, when it came time of the year that the kings would go out to war, and, and in staying home, he, uh, uh, he, was, he was in the afternoon, uh, you know, after his afternoon rest, he got up and was walking on his roof. And you may know the story of David and Bathsheba out of Second uh, Samuel uh, 11. And, and he saw this beautiful woman, the Bible says, and, and she was bathing on a rooftop, and he inquired about who she was, and she was the wife of one of his uh, military officers who was off at war, uh, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and uh, David called and sent for her, and he brought her into his home, and there uh, he slept with her, and she became pregnant. And through the process of time, uh, trying to hide it, he ended up uh, getting Uriah to come back, hoping that 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 uh, he could claim that Uriah it was Uriah's baby. But uh, Uriah was so loyal that he would not even go home and 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 spend time with his wife. Rather, he 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 slept on the steps of of David's palace, and David uh, even tried to get him drunk, hoping he would go home and and uh, that they could claim that the baby was his, but that was not uh, to be. And so David sent Uriah back to the battle with a note to the commander that the commander should put him in the front of the battle. So when the battle got in heat there, Uriah sent him up to the wall, knowing that that was the most dangerous place. And sure enough, Uriah the Hittite, a very uh, loyal subject and a very loyal servant and a very loyal soldier, uh, to King David was killed in that battle. And after the proper time of mourning, the Bible says, David sent for Bathsheba and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. And uh, the child uh, that she was carrying, however, um, was um, uh, when the child was born, Nathan the prophet came to David and told David this story. He told him a story about a man who had, uh, you know, uh, uh, so many sheep. And he was a rich man, and another man only had one little lamb that he loved and cared for. And how this man who had so much went and, 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 and took the one lamb from the man who only had one and, and ended up uh, you know, uh, 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 feeding his guests with that one lamb. And David got so incensed with Nathan the prophet, he said, you know, who is this man? Whoever he is, we're going to make him pay. He'll pay back four times what he's taken. How dare him? And Nathan said, you are that man in that you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite you've conspired you've you know, basically murdered him and uh, and uh, you know uh, God is not pleased and the child that you and Bathsheba will have together this child will die and uh, so uh, 
verse 15, we, we pick up in 2 Samuel 12 with this account. Then Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. And David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted, and he went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to David to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to David, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. Verse 19, When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Verse 20, So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped, and then he went to his own house. And when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. And his servants said to him, what is this that you have done? You have fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. Verse 22, and David said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved Solomon. And the Lord sent word by the hand of Nathan, the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah, beloved of the Lord, because of the Lord. Wow. Look back at verse 20, if you would. Many of you are familiar with this account, and I don't propose to give you all the answers to all of the questions you may have about the narrative here. But I can testify that this is the word of the Lord, and God intends for it to share and to teach us some lessons of life especially some lessons on how we are to approach and defeat the disappointments which we face. There are many things in this life, like it or not, that are beyond our control. There are many things that we would not do the way that God does. There are many times that we find ourselves disappointed in something that we would love for it to have went a different way, but it did not, and we find ourselves in a situation where we are left with disappointment. We are left with something less than what perhaps we even feel like God should have cared more about something than the results would indicate. But we find David in a place to where what he wanted, what he prayed for, what he fasted for, what he sought God for, what he earnestly appealed to God for did not happen. In fact, David's worst nightmare at that moment 
became a reality. And for that moment, the Bible says in the 20th verse of chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, So David arose from the ground and washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went in to the house of the Lord and worshipped, and he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. How in the world do we deal with and, de and defeat the disappointments that are evidently beyond our control? You know, many things that we get delivered, we realize that there's nothing we can do about it. And so David, when he got to this place, the first thing that he did is he got up off the ground. Have you ever had something in life that just put you on the ground? If you've lived any time, you have faced something that sent you reeling, that you could not imagine that actually put you on the ground. But here, David, in showing us how to deal with disappointments, the first thing that we must do is we must lift up our head, as David did, and lift up our heart. If you trip and fall on the way home tonight, let me encourage you, get up. If you don't, then that's where you'll be the next time I see you, and that's where, you'll, where you will be the rest of your life. No one else, like the elders, no one else can lift you up when you don't want to get up. We must want to get up. We must decide we're going to get up. We must make a decision that I'm going to get up off this ground. It doesn't mean that my situation has changed. It doesn't mean that I can reverse it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to turn back time and get a different result. But what it does mean is I'm not going to lay here and die in this place. You see, the devil wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you on the ground. But like David had done before at Ziklag, David encouraged himself. There was no one left there to encourage him. And everyone was afraid to say anything to him because all they had for him was what they imagined was bad news. And it was bad news. But David knew that he could not live in that fetal position. A second thing that David did is he washed himself. He cleaned off the dirt and the grime of yesterday. You see, because it was David who was being judged. So in essence, David realized that it was my sin of yesterday that caused this problem, and I've got to wash this sin away. I share in the guilt. I share in the shame. I share in what has happened. Certainly I prayed and asked God, to change this course, but never let me forget that I sinned against God and God only. It was partially, if not mostly, David's fault, if I can say it that way. Many times it's not popular in today's world or in today's preaching to imagine that some tragedy is someone else's fault, but in reality it most likely is. It was the devil, no doubt, that tempted David. It was the devil, no doubt, that tempted Bathsheba, but it was David and Bathsheba that sinned. He washed himself. He cleaned off the dirt and the grime of yesterday, and that's what you have to do. You have to get up, and you have to clean off the dirt and the grime of yesterday. The devil wants to, to make you feel dirty. The devil wants to make you feel ashamed. I know. I spent seven years dirty and ashamed. I spent seven years 
living with the dirt and the grime of my yesterday, with the shame of my yesterday, and it disabled me. I was unable to get up. I disappointed myself, and it was my fault, and I was unable to recover myself. But thanks be unto God, he saw through my need and delivered me anyway. But David got up off the ground. Number two, he washed himself. David forgave his own failures. You have to forgive your own failures. The third thing David did is he anointed himself. What does that mean? He oiled and perfumed himself. Some translations say that he put lotions on. You know, you can take a bath, but it also helps if you put on a little perfume. Put on a little oil. You say taking a bath might be for you because most of what you bathe hopefully is covered up. But as you present yourself to others, it's important that, 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 that you be anointed, that you not just be you know, clean, but that you be anointed. And that's what David did. He oiled and perfumed himself. You see, the devil wants to use you to depress other people. The devil wants to use your dry soul to depress other people. The devil wants to use your countenance to bring other people down. David refreshed himself, and as he refreshed himself, it refreshed others around him. You know, don't you kind of like it when people smell good as opposed to not? Yeah. It was about others. Number four, David changed his clothes. I love that. You see, he had every reason to have on the garments of, of, of mourning, he had every reason to have on that sackcloth and ashes. He had every reason to be looking uh, you know, uh, and, and presenting himself in public uh, as, as, as someone who, who, who was in mourning. But instead of that, he changed his clothes. No telling how long he'd been laying there well, a, a week in those same clothes. He went and he changed his clothes. And, and, and you know, the devil wants uh, to cover you in sadness to cover you in no hope, and to make you look like you have no hope. Don't go to work looking like you have no hope. The devil wants to use us to, to depress others, but David covered himself with a fresh change of clothes. He put on the garments of praise. How do we know he put on the garments of praise? Because number five, he went to the house of God. He put on some church clothes. And the Bible says that he went to the house of the Lord. He went to church. You see, David valued the strength of being around people that knew him. Many times we, we, we go through a tragedy, a trauma, a disappointment, a sin. We do something. It's our fault. We have a failure. When there's something that we do and we know that other people know about it because this was not done in secret. And the first thing we want to do is withdraw from church, withdraw from fellowship, withdraw from family, withdraw from people that know us and love us and care about us. And David did not do that. He went right back into the public scene. He went right back in and there he worshiped the Lord. Number six. He worshiped God. You see, the devil wants to separate you from people that love you, but refuse to be separated. Refuse to be separated from the very things and from the very people that you need. David worshiped God. He affirmed and renewed his relationship with God. 
The devil wants you to blame God and be mad at God and stay away from God and stay away from the house of God and stay away from the people of God. And the devil will do anything he can to separate you from friends that love you and care about you and, 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 and if, if he can. But David demonstrated his trust in and his love for God by standing in public and worshiping God in the midst of his most difficult and disappointing moments. That's how you defeat disappointment. 2 Samuel 12, 24 then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. You see, David comforted others as well. That's, that was his greatest calling. He got back to his greatest calling. He got back to his highest calling. Don't let the devil put you on the ground. Don't let the devil cause you to, to stay in the filth and grime of your yesterday, of your last failure. Don't let the devil uh, make other people sad and weary. You know, an, 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 anoint yourself. Encourage yourself. Get up off the ground. Wash yourself. Put some clothes on. Get back into the public scene and comfort others. David did not forget that he was not the only person hurting in this situation others were hurting as well Bathsheba was hurting you see the devil wants you to make it all about you the devil wants you to make it all about you but David went on with his life and with his calling he said bring me some food to eat he ate he, you know he got him some good clothes on he he went I mean he, he had to get on with life life goes on despite your greatest disappointments the sun will come up tomorrow. Life will go on, and God wants you to be a part of it. David did not see his failure as a referendum to quit. David did not see his, his, his last worst mistake uh, or, or, or his disappointment as a sign from God that he needed to resign as king. You see, God's forgiveness is bigger than your sin. God's forgiveness is bigger than your sin. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.